All right. Good morning, everybody. All right. We got a lot of energy in this service. Okay. All right. So I'm excited to be up here. Uh, Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I do have to admit, when I was approached about coming up uh, to speak, um, and specifically on this topic, I was like, are we serious? Do I have to talk about suffering? Really? Like, can I have what's behind door number two, please? You know, I'd I'd rather do that. But I I came to terms, obviously, with what I was going to be speaking on. And I get to finish out the series on suffering. Um, But before I even get into anything else, how how many of you have ever received a gift that you really didn't want? Yeah? Yeah, you're like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. You were probably like, yeah, you could take this back. You know what? I'm going to actually take it back to the store, and I'm going to actually get like a store credit or something because I'm, I'm good. Well, that's what suffering is like. Suffering is like that gift that you don't want. So I've titled this message, The Unwelcome Gift. Okay, because nobody wants to go through suffering. I don't, I don't know about you, I never wanted to go through any suffering. And no, no, nobody here actually wants to be able to go through suffering. So, um, but obviously, suffering gives us a gift. Okay? And you may not recognize it, because when you're in the thick of it, when you're going through that moment, when you're actually suffering and in pain and in discomfort, you're like, when am I going to get out of this? When, when am I going to you know, be over this already? I don't want to experience this pain anymore. And you probably think, where does it say that Christians have to go through all this suffering? Well, guess what? For those of you that have said yes to Jesus, guess what? The suffering is coming. Suffering is inevitable. The moment you said yes to Jesus, the enemy was working overtime. He's not worried about the people who are unbelievers. He's worrying about you because he does not want to give you on over to Jesus. So the suffering is going to come, okay? Sorry, the suffering is going to come, guys. It's just going to be what it is. But all throughout God's word, you know, you hear about moments of suffering. In the Old Testament, you have Daniel, King Daniel, the, the king of the Israelites. He went through suffering, and that was a result of his sin. He lost a child. He actually lost a child because of, of a result of his sin. And then Job. Job was a righteous man. He didn't do anything, and yet he suffered. So people right now, you're probably going through a variety of different things. You might be going through the loss of a loved one. You might actually have experienced um, some trials and tribulations at home, at work. You might be in the thick of it right now. And you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. There's just no way. But even through the New Testament, there's so many different passages that talk about suffering. And specifically, the one that we're going to focus on today will be Romans chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles or even your phones, you can turn to Romans chapter 5 and verses 3 through 5. And it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Right away, God automatically says, we will glory in our sufferings. So you think about that. You're like, I'm going through this. How am I going to glory through this? How am I going to rejoice? How am I going to then pull out joy from somewhere? And it also then goes and says, because we know, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, okay? Now, that's a big word for me. So right away, I went to the dictionary, and I was like, okay, perseverance. Perseverance is that persistence that we use to be able to achieve something despite difficulties, okay? So when you persevere, when you endure, okay, you're trying to overcome something that's difficult for you. And then that perseverance develops character, and we all know what character is. That's part of our personality. That's part of the, the part of us that's, you know, got all the integrity part of us. And then that integrity or that character then produces hope. 
And that right there, just automatically, you, you're hearing these words. You're hearing joy. You're hearing hope. You're hearing all these positive words that are attached to something that's painful. And you're like, there's no way. That's like a dichotomy. That's like a, a polar opposite. It's almost like a magnet, you know, when you're trying to connect them and they, and they really can't go together. You're, you're thinking that those words are just like that. And when you think about hope, that's the expectation of something greater. That's the expectation that you're thinking, wow, I, I really have the opportunity to expect God to show up and do something amazing here. We also have another verse, James 1, 2 through 4. He says, count it all joy. What's the word that he just said? Joy. joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials, suffering of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And that's another big word. I was thinking, okay, steadfastness. That's being unwavering, firm, immovable. That means that when you have chosen to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to stand right here in my faith. And there's going to be things that are going to knock me down. There's going to be things that are going, I'm going to experience suffering, pain, trials, tribulation, but I'm going to stand firm right here because I'm putting my faith, like we just sang, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. And then you think, and it says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Where does that perfection, where does that lacking nothing come from? That only comes from Jesus. So I'm here to tell you today, for anyone who's, who's here as a believer, this message is obviously for you. But for those that ha can't ever remember ever saying yes to Jesus, you can't ever remember a time where you chose to take his free gift of salvation, guess what? Before you leave here today, let's get that taken care of. So you think of faith testing or suffering. Think about what exactly God is saying in this verse, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. You're being made perfect through Jesus Christ even through your suffering. When you choose to say yes to Jesus, when that suffering, when those trials, those tribulations, all that madness that's going to happen in your life, guess what? God is making you perfect through that. Does any, anybody here know that when, um, for people who are into jewelry and you're into precious metals, when you're into things like that, do you realize that things like gold and silver, platinum, all these different things, do you know how they purify those things? They put it through the fire. And as they put that stuff through the fire, all those impurities, all that junk winds up coming to the top. So they can skim that off and then create something pure. Well, guess what? God finds you even more precious than those precious metals. And when he puts you through that fire, when he puts you through those tribulations, when he allows those things to happen, guess what he's doing? He's purifying you. Diamonds, everybody, you know, everybody loves diamonds. What happens to a diamond? You have this piece of coal, this rock that looks ugly, disgusting. Yeah, all the ladies are like, yep, I like a diamond, absolutely. <laughs> so when, when a, a, that piece of rock is being put through pressure, it's being put through something heavy, what comes out of that? A beautiful diamond. Think about exactly what God is doing for you. When he's putting you through that, well, not putting you, he's allowing those, that suffering to happen, when he's allowing those trials and tribulations to happen, they're a result of our sin. God never intended 
for our lives to be like this. When he made the world, he made it perfect. But as a result of our sin, we have an imperfect world. And because of that imperfection, we have suffering. So when those trials, those tribulations, that fire comes, that's when God is going to make you even more perfect. Um, in 1 Peter 5.10, it says, And after you have suffered a little while, okay, you're not going to suffer forever. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God is literally saying that he, was, he will restore you, he will strengthen you. I think of the verse in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, where it says, he will never leave you nor forsake you. So when God is saying that, he's not making idle promises. He's literally telling you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Does that mean that you're not going to go through the storm? Does that mean that you're not going to go through the trial? No, you're going to go through the trial. And then that's just a result of, of living in a fallen world. But when you can literally see on the horizon, you can see that light of Jesus, knowing that you're going to get through that, that's the, the, the beauty that comes. Um, Isaiah 61.3 talks about God giving a crown of beauty that comes from the ashes. The phrase beauty from ashes comes from that. So when we go through suffering, it gives us an opportunity to testify to God's faithfulness and how a season of suffering can actually be used to encourage others around us. You know, countless times um, when we've experienced suffering, we're able to use that experience, we're able to use that suffering, that pain, to be able to be an encouragement to other people. And I know that plenty of times for me and for my wife Ashley, when we've experienced that pain, when we've experienced suffering, when we've experienced real situations or circumstances, we've been able to use that to be able to speak life into others. God has blessed us with a life group this, this season, and he's given us already opportunities to be able to speak life into the people that we get to serve. So we're so grateful that even through the pain and the experiences and the circumstances that we've gone through, God has used those to be able to then speak into others. And suffering isn't the end of the story, guys. Suffering is not the end of the story. God will easily provide you his peace, his promises, and he's also going to show you his goodness and comfort you through this. But you have to be patient. You have to endure the hardship. And nothing, nothing that comes easy doesn't come with a little bit of trial. We've all known that. Those of you who have experienced, you know, trouble when, in your careers and in your profession and you've, you know, have achieved and climbed the ladder and done different things and have accomplished different things in your life, you know that it's never come easy. God never promised us easy. That's a very worldly mentality that life is just going to be easy. As long as you just put your head forward and, and just keep your, your nose to the grindstone, it'll be easy. No, that's not truth. God never promised us in his word that life was going to be easy. But he did promise us that he would never leave us and he would never forsake us, even while we're going through those things. So Psalm 27, verses 4 and 5, it says, One thing I have asked the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high upon a rock. Do you see those promises? He's literally telling you, I will hide you in my shelter during the day of trouble. 
I'm going to conceal you under my tent, and I'll lift you high on a rock. We just finished singing that song, Firm Foundation. When you plant yourself firmly on Jesus Christ, think about it. The storm is going to come. It's going to blow all over the place. Trees are going to be falling. Power lines are going to be coming down. All the stuff is going to be happening. But guess what? Your house, as long as it's firmly on Christ, not going anywhere. And he's literally promising you that. As I said, God doesn't make idle promises. When he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And I can, I'm testimony to that. I'm going to be bringing my wife Ashley out here in just a minute so that she can then provide a little bit of a testimony to how God allowed suffering in our lives. And you're going to see that even though we actually went through that suffering, even though we went through that pain and that unfortunate circumstance, God brought us through that. And we're here to testify to that. So if you're in the middle of going through something, you're struggling through something, I promise you, I promise you, you stand firm on what God is promising you, you're not going to fall. He's not going to leave you. And it's because of this, we can actually rejoice in suffering. Now, you're probably like, what the heck are you talking about? How can I rejoice when I'm going through something? How can I rejoice when I'm going? I'm literally in the thick of it right now, and I hate it. I don't want this right now. Well, like I said, remember, God didn't promise us easy. And I'm going to bring it back to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, where he says, count it all what? Joy. Joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, okay? That firm immovability. And then let that steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. I'm going to have my wife Ashley come out here, and she's going to share a little bit of a testimony um, of how God used a, a moment of suffering and used trials and tribulations in our lives to be able to then show us how we can then find joy. So Ashley, come on out here. Thank you guys. I was actually supposed to be in Nashville yes. this weekend. So grateful she's here. I'm here. Yes, God saw to it that she was actually supposed to be visiting her mom who recently had surgery. And unfortunately her flight got canceled yesterday. Um, so we recorded this, um, but then I said, no, there's, there's no better way of being able to present something like this than for her to come up here and do it live. So thank you for being here. Um, so I wanted to have you then come up here and then talk to everybody uh, for just a quick second um, about suffering that we've experienced and where you've been able to find joy or where we've been able to find joy and how we rejoiced through that suffering. So can you talk a little bit about that? Okay. Um... Yeah, and before I start, I just want to say that um, this is God's story. Um, God wrote this story for us. God uh, brought the suffering to us, and, um, and he got us through it. But um, I, I even put a book out um, uh, called Our Story, Our Story Written by God. I'm not going to read it, but... Um, I just wanted to show you. She's a teacher, so she brought her book with her. So. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so um, 16 years ago, we got married, and about a year later, um, we started trying to have children, and the first pregnancy that we had, um, unfortunately, was a miscarriage, and we went to the doctor, and I remember the doctor telling me, um, Ashley, you know, every, girl, every woman that can get pregnant uh, experiences at least one miscarriage, and I said, okay, okay, that's... You know, it was hard. We, we were going through a hard time, but, um, but you know, everybody has, I'm not the only one that's had a miscarriage. Uh, my mom's had a miscarriage. My grandma's had a mis 
miscarriage, even my mother-in-law has had a miscarriage. And so, okay, so I'm just part of the, you know, part of the tribe. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so then this, our second pregnancy, um, we had, God gave us a beautiful baby girl, Ella, and she's now 13. So we were thankful for her. Yeah. And so then our, our third pregnancy, um, ended up in another miscarriage. And I said, okay, well, we've had one, we've had, this is our second miscarriage and okay, it's still hard, but you know, okay, God, I know you want to give us another child. And so the next pregnancy came, we were very hopeful um, because I thought, okay, God, you, you gave me a baby or you took a baby away, you gave me a baby, you took a baby away, now it's time to give me a baby. <laughs> and, um, and so we went to the doctor and uh, because I was high risk and because I had uh, uh, all the miscarriages, uh, they, they did an ultrasound and the heartbeat was in the 80s. And if you know anything about um, babies and fetal heartbeats, uh, they're supposed to be in the 160s, and so 80s isn't a good, a good, uh, healthy pregnancy. And so we were devastated. And um, I just, Derek and I went home. We cried, and we had an amazing support at our church um, in Nashville at the time. Our life group just rallied around us and lifted us up. And so, um, but what I was so thankful for was that I took a Bible study a couple months ago, a couple months prior to this, and um, God reminded me of a story that I had studied, and it was about um, Joshua leading the Israelites into battle, the fighting the Amalekites, and Moses had to lift his hands up for them to win the battle. And he couldn't do it by himself. Moses, he, um, he needed his friends to help him lift his hands up while Joshua was fighting. And praise, you know, praise God that they won the, uh, they, they had Beat victory, the thank you. <laughs> they had the victory for the Malachites and, uh, and all because Moses lifted his hands. And at the end of that battle, God called, uh, Moses called God Jehovah Nisi. And so as I'm, we're, we had just come from the doctor and I'm remembering the story and I'm like, okay, God, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm really struggling. This is so hard. And our life group is helping us lift our hands up and worship and uh, by providing meals and prayer and just supporting us. We were so thankful. And, um, and I was like, God, if you give me this child, I know, I know you can do miracles. I've read it. I've seen you do miracles. Please let this baby live. And um, and w since Moses had called God Jehovah Nisi, I was like, I'm going to name her Nisi after you. Please let her live. And so, uh, and so we had to go back to the, we had to go back to the doctor uh, the following day. It was a few days, right? Mm -hmm. And so we had to go back to the doctor the following day, and uh, they did the ultrasound again, and there was no heartbeat. And we were devastated, and we were so sad, and um, we just couldn't believe that. Um, I was like, God, you know, I prayed. <laughs> I prayed, and I, I heard you speak to me about keeping my hands up in worship. Why, why didn't you give us this baby? And so, um, so as we were leaving the, um, the doctor's office, um, we were taking two cars, and uh, Derek had to meet me there from work. And so I'm following Derek out of the, this huge parking garage. And so we're leaving the parking garage, and... Um, and he's honking and he's pointing. And I'm like, what is he doing? Why is he honking and pointing? 
So he's rolled down his windows and he's pointing out the, out the car, pointing at a, at a car parked in the parking garage. And so I look, and as I drive by, the license plate says Nisi on the license plate. And I was like, God, I, I just heard God speak to me. Um, not in an audible voice, but in my heart, he said, he said, Ashley, I have Nisi in my arms and I'm taking care of her for you. And it was just such a sweet, even though it was such a, uh, like a time of suffering for us, it was just a sweet moment of joy from the Lord, giving us the strength to get through that suffering. And the story's not over. It's so, this is the best part. So April 23rd, 2010 was when I had that miscarriage. Then a year later, April 26th, a year almost to the day, 2011, Jack was born. And Jack means, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Jack means God is gracious. And so I'm just so thankful that, uh, that God was so real and so evident and showed up in our lives during this time of suffering. And he truly does, like the song says, he gives and he takes away. And I can truly say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. yeah. That experience was obviously an awful one, and we experienced suffering and pain, but we were able to rejoice, and even to this day, we're literally able to rejoice because you all have met our little guy, Jack, and he's amazing. He's wonderful, so we're, we're so excited that God blessed us um, through that experience and was able to then bring rejoicing and joy through that moment, so thank you for sharing that. So just like you can see, none of us is a stranger to suffering. No one is immune to suffering. And whether that's, like I mentioned, death of a loved one, you could be having a painful diagnosis, um, you could be having conflicts at home, at work, you could have broken relationships. The trials are not exclusive to anybody. We're all here and we're going to experience suffering. But once we accept that reality, that suffering doesn't respect anyone, you're probably going to ask, but why? Why do we have to go through this suffering? I just don't understand it. Why do we have to experience this? Well, I mentioned earlier, we live in a sinful world. God made this place perfect originally, and he never intended for any of this to be this way. But because as a result of our sin, we're going to encounter suffering. And then, like I said, even more because you've chosen to say yes to Jesus, you're going to encounter that suffering. And then you probably say, well, if God loves me so much, why is he allowing me to suffer? Why does he allow the, this pain? Why is he allowing me to struggle through all this? Take a look at this video and let's see if we can answer that question for you. What would it really look like if God stopped evil from happening on a practical level? I think through my own sin, when I, I think in my own mind, some of the things I want to do but don't do, what if God knew my thoughts and stopped them? You know, how many thoughts would I have? Uh, what if God zapped me with a bolt of electricity every time I actually went to commit a sin? I mean, the universe would just be paralyzed. Uh, I probably wouldn't be able to leave my apartment in the morning. Most people wouldn't be able to live. And so I think that because God values freedom, He enables there to be some of the consequences of that, which is our actions. Uh, hurting other people and leading to brokenness in the world. If there really is a God, we have to begin to look at things from His perspective. 
we have to ask the question, does God value a response from human beings? Is, are we just on autopilot where we're living out a completely predetermined script and that God's orchestrated and involved in every detail? Or is there something that God actually wants which is a free response from our hearts? And you see, as Lewis famously said, if a state of war in the universe uh, is a price worth paying for human response, then it must be worth it. I think Jesus answers the longings of our heart and invites us not into a thought experiment, but a relationship where he promises to be with us rather than fix everything or answer everything. And at the end of the day, I think it's that relational component that we actually ache for. So when you think, if I don't go through trials, if I don't go through suffering, how am I supposed to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? How are you supposed to know his goodness if you've never experienced suffering? That's exactly what he was just talking about. Obviously, I'm going to present our big idea here. If our first reaction to suffering, we want to run. I know that when we experienced this that Ashley just talked about, all we wanted to do, we wanted to run out of that hospital, and we didn't want to think about anything. We wanted to be over that. We didn't want to have to experience it. And we were discouraged. We were overwhelmed. But can you imagine that if we would have responded with rejoicing? Completely different way of, of seeing things. Embrace what God's doing in your life, guys. If you embrace what he's doing, what he's allowing, what he's uh, uh, giving you an opportunity to experience, I'm going to tell you right now, you are going to see blessings beyond anything you can ever imagine. You're going to see how God loves you beyond anything you can ever imagine. Romans 3.10 gives us an idea of why we go through suffering. No one is righteous, not even one. Because of our sin, we suffer. And because of that sin, we experience pain. We experience discomfort. We're going to feel discouraged. But I'm going to bring it back to Romans 5, 3 through 5, where it says, not only so, but we glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And that perseverance produces character. And the beautiful part about this, that character brings hope. That hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts and he's given us the Holy Spirit. When you say yes to Jesus, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to indwell in you. And when you give your heart over to Jesus, I'm going to tell you right now, you are going to experience life beyond anything you can ever imagine. You know, God uses suffering to teach us, to teach men and women, the meaning of willing love. God's not going to make you love him. He wants you to choose to love him. He wants you to genuinely obey him because you need to recognize your need for a savior. But he tells us in Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. When you choose to say yes to Jesus, when you choose to allow him to be the leader of your life, he's literally promising you 
And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. God never stops loving us. If anything, he loves you with an irrevocable, a steadfast, an everlasting, crazy type love, guys. He doesn't care what you did in your past. He doesn't care what you haven't done or what you've currently done. He loves you unconditionally. And to me, that brings me to tears knowing that everything that I've ever done in my life, the moments that I've experienced pain and suffering, God still loves me. And I'm here to tell you that he loves you. And as I said at the top of the, of the message, if you don't know Jesus the way I'm talking about, if you can't ever remember saying, yes, I accept that free gift of salvation, then guess what? We need to take care of that today because tomorrow's not guaranteed to us. Our God is a sovereign God. And one day, he's going to drive out every bit of sin. He's going to dry all of our tears. And he's going to say, just like the prodigal son, if you guys know that story, where the father looks out and he sees on the horizon that his son is there. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but this is the only time in God's word where God is seen as running towards us. And the first thing that he's going to say to us is, welcome home. But you need to choose him. You need to say yes to Jesus. But I'll tell you right now, folks, if you choose to say yes to Jesus and you choose to allow him to do an amazing work in you, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to experience a love and awesomeness that you've never experienced in all of your life. We're getting ready to sing a song that talks about that love, that talks about how amazing and how strong and how crazy and reckless that love is. And I know that that just seems a complete opposite when you think of, of God. It almost seems irreverent or disrespectful to say that God's love is reckless. But think about it. We're already a wreck. So when God chooses to love us, He's taking all that madness, all that crazy. And he's choosing to give us that joy. He's allowing us to see that we can rejoice in him. Because he's where the joy is. Let's pray. Father, I come to you now and I just thank you for the privilege of being up here. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak to my Skyline family here. And I thank you that despite the pain, despite the suffering, despite all the depravity, all the, the wickedness that is in this world, that we can find our joy in you. 
And all you simply tell us is to say yes to you. God, you experience the most awful suffering that someone can ever experience. When you sent your son Jesus to this earth to die on that cross. And Father, we know that there is a divide where we can't get over to you. But it's through the precious blood of your son Jesus dying on that cross that gives us that bridge to be able to get over to you. So thank you, Father, for that beautiful and amazing gift. Thank you that throughout the suffering, throughout the pain, throughout anything that we experience, Lord, that you bring beauty from that. Thank you for doing it in my life. And I thank you for doing it in the lives of countless others that can be here to testify to that. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for loving us. And I pray, Lord God, that you would just continue to just do a mighty work here at Skyline. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that despite all the stuff that may be going on, that we can put this at your feet and we can lay this before your throne. And Lord, we're so grateful that you are where the joy is. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for choosing us. In your name we pray. Amen.